Hey everyone, welcome back to Strange New Worlds, your science and Star Trek podcast. As always, I'm Mike Wong, your host. So today we are responding to episode 303 of Star Trek Discovery titled People of Earth, written by Bowie Kim and Erica Lepolt. So as always, these short responses from myself take the form of three reactions, think, feel, and question. So let's start with think. And of course, if you're going to mention Titan in your Star Trek episode, that is what I'm going to home in on. Because Titan is one of my favorite solar system bodies. So when people of Earth... There's a dramatic scene where masked raiders who have been after Earth's stores of dilithium attempt to steal the USS Discovery's dilithium. Only after Burnham and Book outwit the raiders do we find out that they're actually human from a research colony on Titan. When we first scanned your ship, it was overcrowded, strained beyond its means. Not a typical raider ship. Our habitats on Titan are barely livable. Titan? That was once a research colony. You split off from Earth a century ago. You're fully self-sufficient. We were. An accident at our liquid hydrocarbon research base destroyed a third of our habitats. Wiped out our tillable soil. We've no long-range communications, no way to ask for help. And we have lost just too many to count. The first ship we sent for help to our home planet was fired upon and destroyed. Well, then we knew we were on our own. Earth has had to have strong defense protocols in the name of self-preservation. We didn't know. Now you do. So from this episode, we learn that in the 32nd century, there are people, humans, living on Titan. This used to be a research colony that was self-sufficient until an accident in their liquid hydrocarbon research base turned their world upside down. And I completely applaud this writing because it makes sense. So Titan is Saturn's largest moon, and has a surface that contains lakes and seas of liquid hydrocarbons, mostly methane, with some ethane and propane mixed in. Now at Earth temperatures, these hydrocarbons are not liquid, but in gas phase. In fact, they're what we call natural gas, one of the fuels that we use to power our civilization. Titan has so much hydrocarbons that burning them could sustain human civilization for tens of thousands to perhaps hundreds of thousands of years, given our present rate of energy consumption. I actually have the students in my astrobiology class try to calculate that number as part of their homework after they learn about Titan and the basics of chemical reactions. But let's say it's been a while since you reviewed chemical reactions. You might end up wondering... If Titan has so much combustible material, why doesn't it just go up in flames? And the answer is, combustion is a chemical reaction, and it always takes two to tango. A fire on Earth is the reaction between organics, say in wood, or in natural gas, and the oxygen in the air. 
On Titan, there's very little oxygen, so no fires. This is also the reason why the hydrogen atmospheres of gas giant planets don't just burst into monstrous balls of flames, despite the fact that lightning is a common event on them. Now if you start thinking about biology, you might realize, hey, we breathe oxygen and we eat hydrocarbons. So it's almost like our body's metabolisms are doing a very slow, stepwise, controlled burn. In other words, a fire releases that energy from that combustion reaction in a flagrant, wild, and uncontrolled manner. Whereas we have learned to tap into that energy and transform it into the useful biochemical work that keeps our bodies functioning. So for a human colony to exist on Titan, a source of oxygen is needed. This oxygen can be created by the electrolysis of water. That's basically the splitting of H2O molecules into H2 and O2. Water is plentiful on Titan, in the water ice that makes up Titan's bedrock. So if humans went to Titan, set up a base, created oxygen to breathe, and then that oxygen mixed dangerously with Titan's hydrocarbons, well, that could certainly lead to catastrophe. So it all makes sense that that's a disaster that could totally happen for a human colony on Titan. Okay, so let's say you were one of those living on Titan. Where would you get your energy from? It would actually be impractical to use natural gas combustion to power your settlement. Now the reason for this is twofold. Number one, why waste what little oxygen you have? After all, you need that to breathe. And number two, it actually takes more energy to make the oxygen from water electrolysis than you get from burning it with methane. So you'd be running at an energy deficit. Given this, you might wonder how you'd supply a Titan colony with enough energy, especially if you're out of dilithium. Turns out, a 2017 paper by planetary scientists Amanda Hendricks and Yuck Young investigated other energy sources besides combustion for human activity on Titan. I'll put a link to that paper in the show notes. Now among these different energy sources is hydropower, the idea that you can convert kinetic energy of fluid motion into electricity. Now just like Earth has a water cycle of evaporation, precipitation, and runoff, Titan has a liquid methane cycle, or a methological cycle. There's methane rain, methane rivers, and methane lakes on Titan, and so you could conceivably generate some kind of power from the flows of liquid hydrocarbons. Turns out that the power generated by a hydroelectric turbine is proportional to the gravitational acceleration at that planet's surface and the density of the fluid that's moving. Titan's gravity is weaker than Earth's, and liquid hydrocarbons are less dense than water. So all else being equal, a hydroelectric turbine on Titan would be about 10 times less efficient than one on Earth. Another possible energy source is wind. Titan wind speeds are actually pretty slow, clocking in at a maximum of about 1 meter per second near the surface. Now, because the power generated by a wind turbine is proportional to the wind velocity cubed, this very sluggish wind speed really hurts you. 
It's made up a little bit by the fact that the air density at the surface of Titan is about five times that of Earth, but still, wind turbines on the surface of Titan are likely to be at least a thousand times less efficient than wind farms here on Earth. Finally, how about solar? Well, at Titan, you're really hurt by how far away you are from the sun. Titan orbits Saturn, which is about 10 times farther from the sun than the Earth. So that translates into about 100 times less solar energy, because solar energy drops off by 1 divided by the distance squared. Furthermore, Titan has this very thick organic haze layer that covers the entire planetary body and blocks out most of that sunlight from reaching the surface. So what am I trying to say here? Basically what I'm trying to say is, yeah, if you were a researcher on Titan who relied on dilithium for your energy, and then the burn happened, whatever that is, still a mystery to us at this moment, and all your dilithium went poof, then <laughs> you'd have a really hard time trying to find ways to support your energy demands out there. The gravity is just too low for hydroelectricity, the winds are just too weak for wind farming, and the sun is just far too dim. You'd have a little bit of energy, of course, to probably run basic needs, but you might resort to raiding your homeworld for resources too. All right, let's move on to feel. How did this episode make me feel? It made me feel sad. I mean, the Earth that the Discovery crew finds in 3188 is no longer part of the Federation. And not only that, but the people of the Earth are isolationist xenophobes, and our planet is this barricaded planetary fortress. Now, Earth is still a haven of life and prosperity, but it's one that has cut itself off from the rest of the universe. And this kind of isolationism is so profound that apparently the people of Earth don't even bother to know about what's happening in our very own solar system anymore. That catastrophe that struck Titan is just proof of this. I mean, today, today, we have ways of monitoring what's going on on Titan. We sent a probe named Cassini to study it for over a dozen years. And even though Cassini is now gone, we are constantly monitoring Titan using telescopes here on Earth. At the planetary science meeting that I attended this past week, my colleagues reported brand new molecules that they detected in Titan's atmosphere using the ALMA telescope in Chile. I mean, we're just so curious to know what's out there. But the people of Earth in 3188 are not. Using instruments that are available in 2020, they should have been able to monitor atmospheric changes in Titan and notice if a catastrophic combustion event occurred. But the fact that they didn't, the fact that Earth had no idea what happened on Titan, speaks volumes of the insular nature of the civilization that the crew of the Discovery encounters on our homeworld in 3188, speaks volumes of the purposeful disconnectedness of our culture. This Earth-first attitude is heartbreaking, as I am sure Bowie and Erica meant it to be. Finally, 
question. What am I wondering about as a result of this episode? Well, we learned that the newest addition to the crew of the Discovery, 16-year-old Adira, is host to a Trill symbiont. This makes me wonder whether the Dax symbiont still exists and who they are in right now. Okay, that's it for me and my response to episode three of season three of Star Trek Discovery. Enjoy episode four, and if you are eligible to vote in the United States elections, please do. Until next time, see you out there.